0: the generational blessing of a well-ordered house. I'm sure you agree that we want to make sure that what we are building is built right, that it's honouring to God, and that it's built to last. And it is built to attract the favour of God. And I think that was really good Karen's little testimony there because we can build... Things in such a way that we can keep the favor of God at a distance, or we can live in such a way that God uh, it attracts God's favor. And you know, He chose Mary uh, to 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 be the mother of Christ because she found favor with Him. But what we want to do is, we want to build right. We want to build with generational thinking. We don't want this to be a flash in the pan where this place is, uh, you know, a place of worship now and, and then uh, like a lot of other churches, they're turned into a La Pocchetta or something like that later on. So what we want to do is we want to understand, uh, you know, how to access the blessing of God so that it goes from one generation to another. We want to build our families right. We want to make sure that our marriages are built right. I'm sure you agree. We want to make sure that our businesses are built right and our enterprises. And in this case, this morning, I'm particularly talking about this house, this community of faith, our church here at the stables. And I've got two emphasis in the message this morning, one is generational blessing. And number two is a well-ordered house. And if we build and if we respond to God the way that he wants to, the house will be well-ordered and we will attract generational blessing. Who's up for that? You know, what I want to do is I want to have the favor of God as I move forward. When God finds someone he can covenant with, it's interesting you raised that whole issue of covenant there uh, with me a couple of weeks ago, um, Karen. When God finds someone he can covenant with, blessing follows. So God wants to bless people. He wants to bless them. He wants to bless you. And I'll explain a little bit about blessing as we go on further. If that is to be the case, we need to make sure that we are on his team. And one of the things about a well-ordered house and living our life under the divine order of God is that we need to make sure that we are on his team. Quite often, we act in a certain way and we want God to be on our team. Now it's great if God's on your team, but that's not how it works. It's interesting when Joshua was going into the Promised Land. He had an encounter with the commander of the Lord of Hosts, and uh, he had a, he had a, a dialogue with the commander with an angel, commander of the Lord of Hosts. And uh, you know, uh, Joshua asked him, "Who's?" you know, whose team the commander is on, the, on, on. And the point is, is that we need to make sure that we are not looking for God to be on our team, but we are all on, on, on God's team. So we must make sure that we're on his team. Sometimes things around us can be restricted, and, and can be locked down and it doesn't seem there's a way forward and we're not really experiencing God the way that we know we can. It's because we haven't accessed. Is that okay? And it's like we were talking about this morning. God wants to take us beyond the veil of our own limitations, beyond the veil of our own understanding and he wants to take us into that place where we can touch our mind and our heart so that we can see what others maybe don't. Very important, very possible, and there is a pathway in. Yes. And you can learn that. You know, I believe that, you know, it's very important. Like, there is a way to approach God and there is a way to worship God. And even that, we can want God to be on our team but we've got to do it his way. So I was impacted by that vision last week about coming in the front door, not the side door. You know, there are no shortcuts with God. To attract the blessing and the favor of God, we need to make sure that we're doing things his way and not our own way. Now, I tell you about Australia, the culture is we are going to do this our way. It really is. It's hardwired into, uh, into Australian culture. Uh, it's hardwired into you, perhaps, and it's certainly hardwired into me. But I believe that 30 years of being a pastor has uh, brought me more and more onto God's team. And that is where the blessing and the favour is. I believe that God wants to demonstrate His favour by releasing generational blessing. And generational blessing comes as a result of building a well-ordered house. It's interesting, this is important, because if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he addressed the church there, because... There was a whole lot of activity and a whole lot of stuff going on, but the house was out of order. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is about bringing things back to the order, back to the way that they're meant to function. Now, I don't believe that our church is particularly out of order. I don't believe that. I just want you to understand two things this morning. I want to understand that there is a generational blessing that we can access and it comes as a result of us co-laboring together and co-laboring together with Jesus to build a well-ordered house. I know that I've been into churches at times and I've thought, what the heck is going on here? And I'm sure people have come in here and felt that too. But there is such a thing as a well-ordered house. What is built according to heavenly patterns attracts God's favor. You can build your family to attract God's favor. You can build your marriage to attract God's favor. And I believe, you know, I've experienced that. Lynn and myself have experienced that. And the first step to attracting God's favor was on our honeymoon where I took my wife's hand and we walked to the altar at the Billy Graham crusade and received the Lord into our life. And right from that moment, our life took on a different shape and a different direction. And I thank God for it. We were going through a particularly difficult time that caused my heart to be open to receive the Lord and caused Lynn's heart to be open to receive the Lord. But I thank God that God by his grace took us there. And this is the first part to having a well-ordered marriage, a well-ordered family life, is for husbands to be like that. You know, not to dominate, it's not about that, but it is to take the hand of our wife and to move forward together to serve God together, first step. And this is so, so important. And, it, and it's, I tell you, you know, I want to speak to men this morning, to be a man is to be a leader. It's to be a leader. Now, the leadership in our home is a partnership. I, I don't do things without consulting. You know, Lynn is amazing. Lynn is my co-leader in the house. And, and you know, in, in uh, so many ways, she is so honorable to me. And that is what has created a well-ordered house. So this is not something that happens by accident. It's something that we've got to understand. This is what God wants for us, and this is the way uh, to build our life together, to put God first, to make sure that Jesus is Lord over our life and over our heart, and to move forward together. So when God finds someone, He can covenant with like that, blessing follows. Blessing follows covenant. You know, and when we together as as a husband and wife begin to covenant with God, that sets a divine order that we can live out of that attracts divine blessing. And it's the same with the church. If we get to the, the chance today, we'll take communion together because you see what we're doing is we are lifting the Lord up over the house. We are lifting the one who, who came, the God of heaven who came as a man, and lived and died and rose again, shedding his sinless blood for us. And when we acknowledge that we're in covenant with him, that has a massive impact on our relationship together. You know, it really does. So, so this is where Jesus himself, in the last supper, he, he said, he broke the bread and, and he shared the wine. he said, do this in memory of me. So this morning when we take communion, we're going to do that in memory with him. But, you know, we've got to understand what we're doing because Jesus, when he did that in the upper room, was prophesying his own own death and resurrection. And he was breaking bread and making covenant with the 12 because that is the first thing. That is establishing the covenant community that is going to be able to access the blessing of God. You know, it is very important that Jesus did this, broke bread uh, and and shared the wine, which was symbolic of, of his broken body and the shed blood from the cross, which opened the way from heaven for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in the upper room. God's a God of order. He didn't pour out the Holy Spirit before covenant. We live in a generation that wants convenience before covenant and wonders why blessing doesn't follow. But when God finds covenant people, you know, who will live under the order of God, wow, that's exciting because it's like it tracks the blessing of God. Am I making sense to you this morning? I'm explaining as well as I can. What is built according to heavenly patterns attracts God's favor. Isn't that worth pursuing? Isn't that worth pursuing? And this is something we've got to pursue. And you know, like I said before, this thing of convenience before covenant is messing up our country. It's messing up families. God wants, God is a covenant God. Every blessing that we have today comes as a result of of the covenants that God established with man prior to now. For instance, when Abram made a covenant with God, he, now today, we are actually celebrating generations and generations later that we are beneficiaries of that very covenant. God, show us the way into this. Show us what's really happening this morning. Take us beyond the veil. Help us to understand that you are a covenant God and you want us us to walk in the dimensions of covenant and understanding what it is. It is worth pursuing the favor of God. It is worth pursuing the blessing of God. It is not wrong to go after God's blessing and to be absolutely hungry for it. In fact, it is accurate and it is necessary to pursue it. Yes. And the perfect example is Jacob, who in the womb wrestled with his brother. Two brothers, Esau was the son of the flesh. Jacob was the, became the son of promise. One sold his birthright <laughs> for a pot of stew, if you know the story. But Jacob was a different kind of breed because he was going after the blessing of God. You know, what we need to be during this time, I believe, is a people that go after God. And, you know, we need to prioritize God in all things. Jesus needs to be the Lord of the house. The God who rules in this place. And I believe this morning God wants to talk to me, talk to us about this because God wants to do something in here that is going to bring not only blessing to this generation, but to the generations that follow. So it's not wrong to go after the blessing of God. Jacob went after it. He deceived his brother because the blessing was important to him. His brother Esau was entitled to carry, as the firstborn was entitled to carry, everything that God had. But he was slack. He was untidy. He was a convenience person. Now, I believe if you look at this generation, the generation's like that. This is a feelings generation. But what is required is a conviction-based generation who will bring themselves, who will seek the blessing of God and who will learn to pursue him beyond the veil, who will go further. We'll talk more about it in in maybe a couple of weeks about this whole thing. Because there's a number of things that happen with Jacob. Firstly, there's this wrestle in the womb. And then in Genesis chapter 28, there is this encounter at Bethel where Jacob comes under an open heaven and he has a dream and God begins to take him beyond the veil and he begins to have an encounter with heaven. You know, a lot of people have had an encounter with church and that is why their lives remain unchanged. But when God takes you beyond the veil, he begins to show you what's on the other side Uh, you absolutely have a transformational experience with Christ. And this is what needs to happen to us. You know, young people, I want to speak to you today. I want to say, you know, the world has got a lot to offer, it seems. But there is something better for you that is beyond our understanding, beyond what we see today, even beyond what we're feeling and experiencing now. God wants to take you further. So you can be convenience-based. This is a convenience-based generation. You know, when the phone is uh, is due to be upgraded, we walk past the Apple Store down there in Dandenong during the week. The place was shockers. Chockers. <laughs> shockers. I've never seen so many people in a store all there because... We must get upgraded to the new level. But do you know what? There's another kind of upgrade that God wants to make available to you. And that is the upgrade when you go beyond the veil. When you step over the other side, you find, wow, God's real. And I was raised in church. I went to church. And to a degree, I'd been touched by God and knew God. But I'll never forget this, and neither will Lynn. Lynn about 38 years ago in Albury where I had an experience where God took me beyond the veil. And it was in that experience that God called me to the ministry. And I tell you, it changed me instantly. I was out there day, next day, knocking on doors in North Albury, inviting kids to Sunday school. I was going to go get them because I had an encounter on the other side of the veil. I literally went nuts for a season because God took me the other way and showed me what's there. Some of you need to get a bit nuts for Jesus. You know, there's a dullness about this generation. There is a dullness, there's a flatness. And it's because the generation demands convenience. But God's got something far better. And you know, when you get a look on the other side of the veil and see what's there, your life will change. Your marriage will change. The church will change. The church will change. You will change. You've got to change. There is not a person here who can think I've already experienced this, I'm already there. You think like that? Sorry, you're an idiot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. No, I'm not, I'm talking to the person next to you. But see what Jacob did, he went after the blessing. He went after it. He went hard. There's something in him that was configured to connect with heaven. And then in Genesis chapter 32, he has an encounter at the River Jabbok. This River Jabbok or Brook Jabbok is a place of divine encounter that we need to come to. There, he has an encounter during the night with an angel that he knows from God. I believe it was a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. He has an encounter and according to the Bible, Jacob wrestled with this angel. And the angel sort of pushing him away, say, what are you doing? This is the paraphrased version. But this is very much what happened. Jacob says, I am not going to let go of you, until you bless me. I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. What an attitude to have. See, Esau wanted his stomach filled. Convenience. You know, maybe he wanted position and popularity. Maybe he wanted an easy pathway. Maybe you wanted to come in the side door instead of the door that Jesus had set or God had set. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father unless by me. And this is the pathway that we've got to find. This is the pathway of not only knowing about the cross, but this is the pathway where we have it personal encounter with the cross. I heard about the cross. To a degree, I experienced the cross. I think for the last seven years, I felt like at times I've been jolly well nailed on the cross. But during that time, God is producing something. Because before you really encounter God on the other side of the veil, there's got to be that death experience, that dying to self. You see, when Jacob wrestled with God at the river Jabbok, he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And according to the scripture, the angel, he wrestled until dawn breaks. And I believe that is significant because, you know, when we wrestle with God and we don't give up, if we don't give up, we enter into a new day. A new day, David and Sandra. How about it? Yeah, it's good to see these guys have soldiered on and have not been pushed back. Because there are plenty of things that happen in life that want to push you back. But here Jacob said, I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. And according to the scripture... The angel said, what is your name? And he said, my name's Jacob. The the meaning of the name Jacob is supplanter, it is deceiver. Because he deceived his brother Esau. He deceived his father to receive the father's blessing. He was telling fibs. He even lied to receive the blessing of God, but God gave him the blessing because at least he was hungry for God, whereas Esau, his brother, was hungry for convenience. This is really the problem with this generation. God wants us to be a covenant-based generation. Let me tell you, covenant must come before convenience. Yeah. This is how we've got to flip things in, the, in our own lives, and in our own society, because God's going to bring it right back to where it needs to be. God is looking for covenant partners. He's looking for you, and he's looking for me. Can he find you or do you go missing? It's good. This is a good message. He says to him, what's your name? Genesis chapter 32. He says, my name is Jacob. In other words, Jacob, confess right there, look, I'm a deceiver, I'm a supplanter. And he said, Jacob, your name from this day on is Israel. Israel. Which means Prince of God. How's that? Right there, Jacob tapped into, he got his life right, and he tapped into generational blessings. And according to the scripture, the angel touched Jacob's hip and he walked with a limp. You know, some of the things that happen during your life cause you to walk with a limp. I'm not talking about arthritis, I'm talking about your experience on the way. See, the generation wants convenience, but God's looking for his covenant men, his covenant women, he's looking for a church on the earth that he can make covenant with the leadership and with the covenant core of the community. And when that happens, we are setting ourselves up for generational blessing. And I tell you, it's important now to understand this. Because there's so much disorder in the world. Am I right? In families, so much disorder. A friend of mine who is a chaplain in a very, very big school said, Nearly half of the whole school community now, single parent families. And listen, I would not in any way condemn anyone, but it comes as a result of a generation who have walked away from their covenant with God. Fathers have let it slide, and they've walked away and they've pursued the God of convenience rather than the God of covenant. And we have a generation of kids who literally are confused about who they are and what their future is. Now listen, this is not aimed at hurting or harming anyone. But there is a great disorder in the world. In fact, our Prime Minister said two years ago, Prime Minister Morrison, he said, the global order is breaking down. And I'll tell you what, before the global order breaks down, and he said in a time similar to the time of the rise of the Third Reich, the global order is breaking down. He said, people will have less, life will be tougher. He said it. I think we should listen. And I'll tell you why it happened long ago we walked away from the divine order but now god is raising up his church in the nation not just this one but he's bringing it right back to the divine order if things have stopped and they're blocked it can be because we are out of order History shows that in times of universal conver- confusion, stress, and conflict, and even great limitation and lack, God intervenes to turn things around. This is our time. We see this pattern over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over, and over again throughout the scriptures, because people don't seem to learn from history. But this morning we need to know that God's going to reset his order. Not the new world order, I'm not talking about that. That's going to be short-lived, that's just another carnal plan that man's hatching. But God's got a different way to bless humanity. It's not through the new world order, it is through the order... That God has set up in the heavens, it's like a hierarchy, that when we begin to connect with it, God will release his blessing to a man, to a group, to a people, to a nation, because our God is a God of blessing. And the most important word you could know as a young person now is covenant. can really understand it. Wow, it's powerful. Tribal people just get it. Aussie's covenant. What the heck are you talking about? I'm preaching, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And it's important now, hey, history shows that in times of stress, confusion, limitation God intervenes get ready for it get ready for it get ready for it God's wanting to do something but it's like he's looking for somewhere where he can go according to the scripture he's looking about to and fro throughout the whole of the earth and he's looking for somebody whose heart is completely his he's looking for a church that's crazy for him some of you guys need to get out of the back seats, get down here on your knees and pursue the blessing of God. You need to get over your conservative background and conservative behaviour, and you need to become part of this radical church that's upsetting the order of the day. Come on. Come on. I tell you what, God is going to bypass the order of the day. This brilliant idea of men's, because God's setting up a new order. It's the apostolic order. It's the order of Melchizedek in the house that will bless people that connect with it. You know, we've got to leave our old charismatic ideas behind. Thank you. Thanks for helping me. I forgot that word. I was digging deep, but I couldn't think of it. Thank you. I also believe that God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Have you ever read the story of the Hebrides revival? Have you ever read it? Go read it. There's a book you can download on the uh, internet. It's called When God Stepped Down. And it's how a couple of old ladies prayed all night, fasted all night because of the Hebrides, the young people in the Hebrides had gone sideways. And they prayed. They took 2 Chronicles 7.14 and they established, they reaffirmed their covenant with God. They got praying. They repented on behalf of the nation. And do you know what? God stepped out of heaven into the Hebrides revival, and not one or a dozen people were saved, but every person in the whole of the Hebrides island was saved. What's God going to do to wake this generation up? Somebody told me there's around 8,000 young people in Sale. I mean, this is a great church. I love this church. But where are the other 7,990 youth in this city? Now, if you want to make a difference, you've got to get beyond the veil. You've got to get God first in your life. You've got to rebel against the disorder in your generation you've got to be a rebellious person rebelling against rebellion. That's what you've got to do. Because this generation is on a crash course, man. But there is an answer. God. And when God finds covenant partners on the earth who will say, I'm going to go further then it'll begin to turn around. God could use you. Yes. I know that's a surprise to you. I don't know you, but God could use you so radically. You, if you got this, man, you would turn a whole lot of people on their head. What's your name? Joshua. What a name. Joshua was a city taker. Now, no one's ever told you this before. But God's called you. Do you know what Joshua means? Exactly the same thing as Jesus. I'm pretty sure. Close, anyway. God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I'm getting there. What's the time? We need that clock up, Lynn got the clock, we bought it a year and a half ago but the clock is going up soon. (laughs) Not too high I hope because the first challenge that'll happen will be the batteries will go flat and then it'll be another year and a half. (laughs) Now listen to this. First, now God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh, Joel chapter 2, 28, people in the church, people in the world going to cop it. You know, in the Hebrides, people were walking down the street, total unbelievers, had never heard the name Jesus, and then all of a sudden, great conviction came upon them. There's stories of a bunch of blokes that worked in a butcher's shop, and they thought, we've got to get somewhere, we've got to find an answer. So they got in the ute, and they just drove, 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 drove. And these guys ended up, all of them, on the side of the road, repenting, bringing Jesus into their life. Why? Because some people had made a covenant with God. This is affecting what's going on out there. Now, listen about this house. The mandate to build a house was given to Solomon. I'll read to you. When Solomon, What Solomon built was according to a pattern that was handed to him. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestitude, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for it, for all that he had by the Spirit of the courts, of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of all the treasuries of the house of God, and the treasuries for the dedicated things." So what happened here? There's a plan, right? Given by God. And David's got the plan. But David was not given permission to build the house because he was a warrior. And he passed the plans to his son Solomon, who built a well-ordered house. When we build our life according to the original pattern, the right pattern, things will happen. This is 1 Kings 9 and 10. blessed be the Lord God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then he gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. See, what had happened is is, uh, Solomon built the house But in 1 Kings chapter 9, the queen of Sheba comes. She's heard of what's happening and she brings the gold, the silver. She brings everything that is needed to set up the kingdom for generational wealth. This is not a prosperity message this morning, but When we build things according to God's way, it affects the generations ahead of us. According to the Bible, the Queen of Sheba was breathless. She's come from somewhere over in Egypt or Ethiopia, and she bought the camels, she bought the gold, the silver, the spices, and she goes, wow, look at this, and she left it right there. Can I just tell you what this means? If we build our life right, it will attract the favour of God. The blessing of God. The increase of God. I keep wondering, how on earth do we end up in here? And I'll tell you this, God had a lot to do with it. In fact, everything. And that's a story in itself. There was never again such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Also the ships of Aram, which bought gold from Ophir, Ophir, bought great quantities of elmwood wood and precious stones from Ophir. Now what happens, this lines up, this is God blessing the house. When the house is built according to the pattern, there is great blessing. It attracts blessing, do you get me? You know, let me tell you, the new world order is not going to look after you. I've seen communism at work. I've been to China. And while the elite are living in palaces, the people in China, the everyday people, are living in squalor. That's a fact. I've been there. There's one order you've got to connect with. That's the divine heavenly order. This lines up with Isaiah 59, 19 to Isaiah 60. Personally, I must recognise unhelpful patterns and develop New Testament patterns. This is personally. So sometimes we've got stuff in our life that just does not help us. It's unhelpful. It's not going to take you to hell. But he certainly will not bring God's blessing and favour into your life. But we need to develop New Testament patterns. But corporately, we need to cooperate together under apostolic government to build a well ordered house. Something can happen here in Sale that not only lasts for a lifetime but colors the environment for generations to come. What do you think? Is that worthwhile going for? Yeah, who's in? a preacher in that girl right there I tell you what she don't know what she's preaching yet but you just wait listen to this passage of scripture now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus for all generationals do you see that there This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And he is setting up the church because what is going to happen in that place is going to bring generational blessing. So things are a bit crazy on a global scale, but if you believe what the Word says, God's going to intervene. Don't worry about it. God's going to turn things around. He will do it. In Isaiah 59, verse 16, the Bible says that... God saw that there was no, uh, no uh, intercessor. So what he did is he reached out and he intervened himself. Yeah. Even when we're at our weakest, God will intervene and turn things around. So things are a bit gl- crazy on a global scale. But if you believe what the word says, God's going to turn it. But in the end, it's going to happen in and through the church. And all the glory must Go to him. According to the Bible, God wants to release to us so that in turn he can release provision to a dying world through us. What do you think? God wants to get it through us. And if you're the sort of person who God can get it through, God will go, I'm going to give it to them. All right, I'm just going to give you one point, and then we're going. I've got four, but I'll drive you nuts if I go through those four. But there are four things I want, to under, want you to understand about this. But the first one is, who wants the blessing of God over their life? Now, as raised Catholic, this is what blessing was. You just threw holy water on the kid, and they were blessed the kid cried was deeply annoyed and grew up to be a real brat that's normally what happens <laughs> that's not blessing blessing is the transformational impartation into the being of, uh, of into our being by the holy spirit that is blessing and this has such a tremendous transformational power about it. What is it? Blessing is the transformational impartation into our being of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a priest or a minister saying some nice words, but it is you pursuing the blessing of God that God has made available to you through the new covenant. Abram became Abraham. His, when God came into him, his nature changed. His name changed. Abram was the father of Ishmael. Abraham was the father of the son of promise, Isaac. You see, Abram hatched a carnal plan. He went convenience over covenant. But God had a different idea. Jacob was a naughty boy, but Israel became the prince of God. We need to allow God to do what he wants us to do so that he can do what he wants through us. No carnal plans. This almost invariably happens to people like me who are called and passionate for God, that we create along the way some stupid ideas. (laughs) Now, Now that means a lot to me, now that's good isn't it? This is good, you're right, it's their problem, you were right. But get ready for the impartation onto the inside of you. Get fair income about this. Get about it. Get on your knees.